If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. Brian McClanahan Show, episode 465. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page, at Brian McClanahan for all those things. It's B-R-I-O-N. McClanahan. You can also go to brianmcclanahan.com, B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to brianmcclanahan.com. Click on that support tab. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep the lights on, help keep the podcast going. Get a book plate for one of my books. I've got my newest book out, The Jeffersonian Tradition. Also, many other books, Southern Scribblings, Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America, how Alexander Hamilton Screwed Up America, The Politically Incorrect Guide to the Founding Fathers, The Politically Incorrect Guide to Real American Heroes, The Founding Fathers Guide to the Constitution, Forgotten Conservatives in American History. I've got a lot out there. So all those books, you can get almost all those books anywhere books are sold online. Hard time finding them in bookstores now. But um, the Jeffersonian tradition is only available to Amazon for right now. But if you buy enough, I'm sure that they'll get it into other bookstores. It's, it's been slated to do that. So uh, anyways, get those books, get your book plate. That helps support the show. Also click on that shop tab where you're at, brianmcclanahan.com. Get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. I've had people buy a clock now. I've had people buy travel mugs, coffee cups, t-shirts, stickers, all kinds, skins for electronic devices, all kinds of cool stuff. I make very little on this stuff. It's just there to help promote the show and let people know you like it. And as always, rate this podcast wherever you get your podcasts and let people know you listen to it on social media. That's how we expand the audience. Of course, McClanahan Academy is a great way to help support the show as well. You've got that commercial at the top. So make sure you go out there and get into that. Buy one of my classes. I've got a lot there too. So lots of great ways to support the show. Now, this show is not just in the United States. Now, I think about 80% or no, more than that. Uh, Probably, let, let me back that up. About 97% of my listeners are in the United States. But I do have about 3% that listen outside of the U.S. And I do get emails from these people every now and then. I'm emailing you from Poland, for example. And it's great that we've got this. You know, I think about these things in the Polish government. And, or I get an email from France. Or I get one from Japan. Or I get, I get emails from people around the world. Uh, Australia. Um, so I did have someone email me about Canada. I've had a couple recently. So I do have, I think Canada is my second most country that has second most number of listeners outside the United States. So I thought it'd be fun to do something about Canada. Now, how does this, because most of my listeners are in the U.S., how does this impact my American listenership? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it back to that. And I think one of the listeners actually did it. They both did it in a way by saying, hey, look, these things are going on in Canada. Don't forget about us. It's bad everywhere. And I think we've seen that. When we talk about wokeism, and we've had a couple of episodes now this week on Juneteenth and then on Kevin Cruz and MLK and how American conservatives are getting a lot wrong in what they're doing. 
But wokeism is the heart of all of this, right? I mean, it, it is. Critical theory, critical race theory, all of it. It's not just infecting America. This is a problem in Western civilization. And it is expansive and it's going to destroy. It is a cancer that will consume all. It's, gonna, it's going to get too big. The tumor will get too large and it will crush everything. But not just that. It's going to ultimately, again, destroy. It will destroy Western civilization from the inside out. And so I want to talk about Canada in that regard. And then I want to talk about an interesting part of Canada that would apply to America. Um, and the American influence and why this is the case. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring that up. But let's start with this piece uh, entitled Celebrate Canada's History, Don't Appease the Woke Mob. This is uh, by um, Candace Malcolm, who is a reporter in, in uh, Canada. Right wing, of course. Uh, but she writes this piece. She says, Canada is a great country. It's a country worth celebrating. I mean, that's what generally conservatives say about the United States. It's a great country. It's a country worth celebrating. Western civilization is great. It's worth celebrating. A statement like that used to be banal and universal. Not too long ago, there was a general consensus, not just among the political parties, but prevalent throughout Canadian society, that we lived in a pretty special place. I mean, think about it. You could just replace Canada with the United States. Not long ago, there was a general consensus, not just among the political parties, but prevalent throughout American society, that we lived in a pretty special place. America was great. This is Trump. Make America great again. America was great. Everybody loved America. It's exceptional. Now, you're seeing Canadian exceptionalism in here, and it, it doesn't matter where you are. And this is what Obama said back when he was president. Well, I mean, America's not really exceptional. Everybody thinks their own country's exceptional. We could say Greece is exceptional. We could say Italy's exceptional. We could say Great Britain's exceptional. America's not really that different. The world needs more Canada was the slogan, was once the slogan of Canadian book giant Indigo Chapters, and the phrase was repeated by global celebrities like Barack Obama and YouTube frontman Bono. But that was a simpler time. All the way back in 2017, the world hadn't yet been steamrolled by the woke mob pushing cancel culture and strict intellectual conformity. Again, yes, this is this is true. 2015 was the beginning, and I've said this before. I said in 2015, and I had said it before this, but and I had said it in 2009 when I wrote my Politically Incorrect Guide to the Founding Fathers, that even liking the Founding Fathers then was seen as controversial. But 2009, now we get to 2015, six years later, and you've got Dylan Roof, and then you've got the attack on all things Confederate. And I said, look, it's, it, this is just the beginning. It's going to go further. We're going to see more of this, and they're going to take on everything. And they're going to want every symbol of traditional America gone. This is now spread to everywhere else in the world. Anything traditional, particularly European, has to go. The simplistic woke narrative goes something like this. Western culture is nothing but a hierarchy of power, where everybody falls into one of two categories, oppressor or oppressed. All individuals are reduced to a few biological traits, skin color, gender, and sexual orientation. Well, this is critical theory, right? And it doesn't, it's not just that, it's also economics. There's certainly that part of it as well. But you have to be these two categories, and it's about power. See, this is the important thing. 
the hierarchy of power, what does the other side really want? They don't just want a seat at the table. They want to run the table. You look at the mayor of Chicago. This is what she's doing. Once they have power, the oppressed, they will oppress because that's what they really want to do. They want to stick it back. And I remember I was at a, an event. I, I think I've said this on this podcast years ago. I was asked to, to do a talk about slavery. And I did. And uh, there, was a, there was a question about affirmative action, not to me, but one of the other panelists. And one of the individuals stood up and said, look, if we can get to a point, he says, I don't want to hear anything about saying affirmative action is going to be, uh, you know, reverse racism. If the people who are being harmed by affirmative action are harmed for 400 years, then we can start talking about reverse racism. So it doesn't really matter if, it, if it's reverse. It doesn't really matter if it hurts some groups because these other groups have been hurt for 400 years. So we're just getting them back. You see, it's retributive. That's the real problem. And all of this, it's retributive. It's punishing people for things that nobody had anything to do with. I dare say that there are people walking around today, college kids, right, who just want to get into a college. They're 18 years old. They were born, if you're an 18-year-old right now, you were born in 2003. You had nothing to do with anything from the 1950s, 60s, 40s, 30s, 1860s. You had nothing to do with any of that. You're simply born in, and so you are living in the society. And by the way, modern American society, or even modern Canadian society, we'll talk about that, has, has worked very hard to try to get rid of any type of benefits for people based on the fact that they're white. I mean, this is true. And, and we've tried to level the playing field right across the board. And, and everyone that's living now is, is recipient of that. I mean... I was never. I never grew up in a segregated world. Everything was just integrated. It's what we all recognize. Okay, this is what it is, right? So everybody knows what they're going to do, and they work, and they get. So you're punishing people that had nothing to do with any of those other laws or anything else in society. That's the point, though, because it's retributive. The piece continues, straight white males are always the oppressors and everyone else falls into the other category unless they are pitted against someone even more oppressed. Women are oppressed unless they are white and in the presence of a non-white man. In that instance, the white woman is the oppressor. But if the non-white man is in the presence of a non-white woman, then he is the oppressor. Unless the non-white woman is a police officer, in which case she is the oppressor. Ironically, they develop their own hierarchy. People People move up or down the chain of oppression depending on the whims of the Twitter mob. This is true. This is true. That is, a, that is how newly woke conservative MP Michelle Rampell sought redemption last week after being unfairly blamed for playing a role in putting Canadian Muslims in danger. Yes, she wrote, I humble myself and ask forgiveness. I have privilege. I am cis straight white, but I am also a woman who works in a system dominated by white maleness. So, I mean, this all happened because of white males. In other words, yes, I'm awful because of my skin color, but don't forget, I'm a victim too. According to the woke, everyone and everything is viewed through the lens of race, and everyone who doesn't bow down to the woke mantra gets mobbed, bullied, and ultimately canceled. The only people spared from this fate are those who bend a knee, acknowledge their privilege, and plead and pledge to be re-educated in the woke ideology. It's worked for good liberals like Justin Trudeau and Prince Harry. I'm not so sure it will save conservatives seeking strange new respect like Rempel Garner. This is important. This is what I mentioned in the last episode. Conservatives are never going to get anywhere with this. They're never going to get anywhere with this. It always is going to end 
in a bad situation for them because they're just going to be called the names anyways. So don't do it. Don't play on their field and don't play their game. Don't do it. This ultimate goal of the woke mob is to tear down what they call hierarchies of power, essentially dismantling every institution in our society. Canada seems to be ground zero for this new uprising. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think this is looking at it. <laughs> no, ground zero is actually the South and the United States. That was ground zero of everything. we got to tear all that stuff down in the South, and then we can start having a conversation about where all the um, oppression comes from, where all the injustice comes from. I said it, Confederate monuments, low-hanging fruit. They're going to take that down. Confederate symbols, it all has to come down. We're going to talk about that tomorrow on this show. But it all has to come down. And it all has to come down because that's how we're going to save America. But then when that's not enough, then you go after other things because it won't be enough. Then you go after everything else because that's all a symbol of oppression and power. And when we take all that down, then we're going to put up our own symbols to our own power and then we will oppress others because that's how it works. And our founding prime minister, Sir John A. Macdonald, has so far borne the brunt of this moral panic. His statues have been defaced and removed from public squares, his name removed from university buildings, his biography erased from the Government of Canada website. John Macdonald, the first prime minister of Canada, the man who was responsible more than anybody else for creating the country of Canada, is now gone. It's like, take, it's like going after George Washington in the United States, and guess what? That's happening. Why? Because John McDonald said a couple of racist things. In the 1870s, 1880s, and 1890s, when racism was quite common among just about everybody, he was not saying anything that wasn't said by a lot of other people in that particular time period. So see, it's presentism that's destroying all of this stuff. Just, he said a couple of bad things, so you have to take him down. It's just convenient. Uh, look at what this guy said. He has to go because that's convenient. They really want to take him down anyways. So finding something, some little skeleton in their closet, they have to go because of that. Sir John A. is not alone. As Alberta Premier Kennedy correctly predicted, the reckoning won't stop with Sir John A. If holding historical leaders to today's evolving woke standards continues, then the entire founding leadership of our country gets canceled, said Kenny. In the past week alone, the woke mob has set its sights on renaming British Columbia, destroying a statue at Ryerson University's namesake, and canceling Canada Day. Rather than trying to appease a deranged woke mob, Canadians should stand their ground, defend our history, while learning from it, of course, and maintain some perspective. Our country isn't perfect. No country is. But Canada gets the big things right. That's why we should celebrate Canada, not tear it apart. There you go. Rather than trying to appease a deranged, rather than saying, I'm going to capitulate, I'm going to bend the knee, I'm going to say in the United States, we have a proposition nation, just say, no, shut up. That should be the point in Canada. No, shut up. We're going to take down Canada today. No, shut up. We want to take down John McDonald. No, shut up. We want to change the name. No, shut up. We want to take down George Washington. No, shut up. We don't take down Abraham Lincoln. No, shut up. We want to change the U.S. flag. No, shut up. That's what should happen. That's what should happen. But that's not what's going to happen. Now, I want to go back, since we're on Canada, and where Canada has some really interesting parts of it that I think Americans could learn from. 
It's a great piece, by the way. I mean, I think she did a good job with that and pointing out how this is, you know, very Canada-centric because, of course, she's writing a Canada Canadian reporter, you know, pro-Canada. Um, and if you follow her on social media, that's that's what she talks about all the time. Uh, but, I mean, that's all the common cause. The, the wokeism is a disease that's taking over everything. But Canada has some structural things in it that uh, make Canada interesting for Jeffersonians in the United States. And there's a reason for this. See, after the war was over in 1865, Judah P. Benjamin, who was the Confederate Secretary of State, a Jewish Confederate Secretary of State, by the way, um, the Confederacy had Jews, prominent Jews in it, whereas anti-Semitism was pretty widespread in the North. But uh, it conf- the Jewish Confederate Secretary of State, Judah P. Benjamin, left, went to, went to Europe, and then migrated to Canada, where he became a barrister, right? So he was a lawyer. And Benjamin was able, through court cases, to have some really interesting things put into Canada. And this email from a listener points this out. And he said, hey, look, would you talk about this with Canada? Your American listeners might be interested in this. Now, he is from the United States. Um, and he says, look, I moved here. And look at all this cool stuff that Canada has. So he says this, there's no department, federal department of education or transportation, even though there's a socialist health care system here. It's basically entirely controlled by the provincial governments to be administered as they wish. So there's a one-size-fits-all health care system, but the state, the provinces, what we would call states, get to do whatever they want to with it. Now, province is interesting because province is a subsidiary of the center. A state is not. A state is a sovereign entity. So Canada is, as he says, the Constitution is a mess of nationalism, but because of the common law, because of court decisions, we've been able to work around all that stuff. So there's no federal department of education or transportation. We have that in the United States. We think that we're so, well, federalism's great here. No, it's not. Canada, our northern neighbor, has these things. Very Jeffersonian in that way. Again, primarily because of a southerner, Judah P. Benjamin, a Jewish southerner who was able to get some of this stuff done in Canada. The Canadian provinces, to a great extent, get to control their own immigration and can create their own foreign immigration programs to meet their local needs. When I immigrated to Quebec, I had to be approved by both the feds and the province's own immigration system before I was officially a permanent resident. So Canada has, I mean, and the states, yeah, we, I mean, we kind of have this here. You know, you have to be a citizen of the state, but, but I mean, the, fe- the federal government over, is overarching all of that. Uh, the states can't block you from being a citizen there. In fact, they want you to be a citizen. If the federal government wants to do anything important, there's basic, they're basically forced to consult and get by in form the premiers before the change happens. So if they want to do anything, the provinces, the governors of these provinces have to agree to it. So there's a block from the provincial level on centralized authority in Canada. Provinces often put up tariffs and restrictions against each other. Very bad economics, he says, but it shows the power that these people have. And of course, the U.S. Constitution was designed to prevent that stuff. This is one of the main arguments for it. If you're taking my originalist papers at McClanahan Academy, you know that. I've got part three coming up on that, by the way, uh, next week. It should be out. So be looking for that. If you're at McClanahan Academy, part three is going to be out just in time for Independence Day. Uh, which is the real, you know, Independence Day that was always Independence Day, but 
not to be confused with the other Independence Day. So I, I don't know. People are going to get confused about this stuff. But July 4th, Independence Day, is going to be out in time for that. And finally, separatism in Canada is not an unusual political belief here. For one thing, virtually everyone refers to the country as the Confederation, which is an open acknowledgement that Canada has a strong federal structure. I wouldn't say most establishment politicians and journalists have any love for separatism, but they're conscious that they have to deal with people openly and honestly who do and can't just cancel them out of public life like they do in the States. Very true. I mean, what happens in the United States when you start talking about, we know what we need to do, we need to decentralize. Treason! Right-winger! Confederate! Neo-Confederate! These are just terms. It doesn't matter if you're on the left or the right. Hey, you know... Uh, maybe we should talk about this idea that the states have uh, the right to seize uh, treason, treason, neo confederate. Uh, you know, maybe uh, Robert E. Lee was, uh, you know, had some pretty admirable qualities. Treason, neo confederate. I mean, it's just stupid. We have stupidity in America. At least Canadians aren't so infected by it, it seems. I mean, um, as he says, people are stupid there. And, and as this piece on the Malcolm piece on Canada, you got a lot of stupid people in Canada. Don't get, don't get me wrong. A lot of woke mob stupid people. But at least there's something there structurally to talk about these things. I mean, we've had votes on secession. He points this out. Indeed, there have been two province-wide secession referendum in Canada, province-wide secession referendum in Canada in the past 40 years, one in 1980 and the second in 1995. The second one came within a percentage point of passing. And I knew that. I mean, I remember when that happened back in 1995. Um... It was a big deal. There was a lot of people talking about it. And um, there were a lot of people that were certainly promoting that idea here in the States because it would be an open secession movement in North America. And that might have contributed to a greater discussion about secession here in America. What killed that in America? I will tell you this. What killed discussion of having these political decentralization talks in America? September 11th. Because at that point, then we all, everybody rallied around nationalism again. And you've seen more of it at that point from 2001, the last 20 years, than, than you did in the 90s. Um, I don't know if people are going to talk about it as much. Though we're seeing more of it with COVID now. We're seeing governors assert their authority, which is a good thing. And he says, and currently the party that, that holds the most seats in the Federal House of Commons is the Bloc Quebecos, which is an openly secessionist party. Quebecois, I'm sorry, Quebecois. Openly secessionist party. But it's not just Quebec. Out west in Alberta, too, there's historically been strong pro-separatist sentiment, and there's a real effort underway to nullify federal transfer payments from the oil-rich province to the poor provinces like New Brunswick. So, I mean, you have some really interesting decentralist tendencies in Canada, and that is our northern neighbor. But he says the bizarre thing is that if you read the Canadian Constitution, it's really centralized. But through a series of historical accidents and determination by the local politicians, the federal government became less and less powerful over the provinces after Canada's formation in 1867, even as it got bigger and bigger over the 20th century. Again, the the author of this doesn't point out that Judy P. Benjamin was very much responsible for a lot of this. As a barrister. So uh, the southern imprint on, in, you know, on Canada is tremendous. Um, and as Canada d- separated from, from the crown, I mean, this is, it's a separatist movement. Anyway, he says, I think this would make a great show. And I think it does. And look, Canada, uh, and that part of Canada, is something that we should look at in the United States. Okay, well, how can we do this? Well, 
We're seeing it in Florida and Texas. We're seeing it after COVID. We're seeing people stand up and say, enough. We're not going to... And you know what? The emperor has no clothes. The federal government can't do anything about it. That's the whole thing. They really can't do anything about it. We think they can because of the great big conflagration in the 1860s. They're just going to march soldiers into the whatever state. doesn't matter if it's South Dakota or California or Texas or Florida or Alabama or Massachusetts. They're just going to march the soldiers in. Well, that's not going to happen. For a lot of things, they won't do it. They just won't. I mean, when, when all of this stuff broke with COVID back in 2020, all of the states at that point could have told Trump to shove it, but they didn't. Now, I think South Dakota did, uh, but most of them didn't. They didn't tell him to shove it. They just went along with it. But see, this was the states going along with Trump. In a lot of cases, it was conservative governors because they wanted to be supportive of Trump instead of being supportive of what should have been going on, which is more liberty. But regardless, um, the states that locked down the worst, I mean, you can't tell the difference from the states that didn't really lock down as much at all. There was no effect. So, But we've seen a resurgence of federalism because of this, and I think this this particular uh, listener does a good job of pointing out the, the structural parts of Canada that are better than the United States. And I think there's always there should always be a discussion about what we could do to make the United States better uh, in moving forward in terms of liberty and self-government, thinking locally, acting locally. Um, and it's not just here. The woke mob is coming for everything, and it's, not, it's, it's in the West, it's in Canada, it's in Europe, it's everywhere. So Canada, I mean, a couple of things on Canada here. I couldn't just do one episode on, on each one, so I thought I'd put them together have a little Canadian uh, flair to the episode. And thank you for all the Canadian listeners listeners out there. I mean, that's awesome that you're all listening in Canada. And, and uh, I love this part of the Canadian Constitution. I always have. I've always loved our can- Canadian political tradition, I should say. It's not the Constitution, but it's a political tradition in Canada. It's always been a great thing. And I appreciate you sending on the email. Again, I tell you, if you want to send me show suggestions, do it. I read your emails. I may not respond back to you directly. I'm responding back to this listener through a, through a show. So... This is my response to it. Fantastic stuff. Thanks for the email. And, uh, of course, um, also thanks to the listener who sent me this piece by Malcolm on the Canadian woke mob. We're not alone in America. We're seeing it. But, of course, the real ground zero of all this stuff is the American South. It's where it all started back in 2015. You could say it started long before that, but um, the real ground zero is there. Okay. So, I hope you enjoyed this particular episode of The Brian McClaney Hen Show. I'll see you next time on the next one. See you then.